medical news and research from University of Utah physicians and specialists you can use for a happier and healthier life. You're listening to The Scope. Did you know that you could get hypothermia when it's 40 degrees outside? With Dr. Troy Madsen, emergency room physician at the University of Utah Hospital. Let's talk about hypothermia. Is there a comparison to be drawn between heat exhaustion and heat stroke here? Absolutely. So heat stroke is when the body temperature gets really high. Hypothermia is when it gets really low. Okay. And <laughs> neither of those is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so think about it this way. Probably the easiest way to compare this, the easiest thing to compare this to is to your car. If your car is really hot, it doesn't run well. But then think about these cold mornings we're having now, going out there, trying to start your car up. You just try and get that engine going. It just starts to turn over a little bit. Once it gets going, yeah. it just doesn't work well. And then even when you put, you try to shift into <laughs> gear, the transmission's sloggy. Exactly. Yeah. It, just, it just does not work well. That's exactly what the body does. Um, you know, your heart's kind of the engine of your body. Uh, if it's cold, it does not work well. You know, high temperatures, same thing with your heart. So, so absolutely, there's definitely a comparison there. So 40 degrees, it could start happening. Is it normal at 40? So not normal at 40. The, the big thing in the 40s is if you're out in the 40s, if you're in damp weather, if it's raining on you, you've got cold clothing, you can get hypothermia. And so people who are outside, maybe, you know, it's a little late in the year for people to be hunting, but maybe outdoor activities, you may think, hey, it's 40 degrees outside, I should be fine. But you could or your children could be experiencing hypothermia if you start to get cold, or you just don't have the right clothing on. What temperatures that normally happen? When do you really need to start worrying about it? So the big time we see it, and you know, this last winter, I saw several cases of it in the ER because we had some really cold days. But it's usually once you get you know these temperatures down in the teens and the single digits at night, uh, we see it a lot in people who are homeless or out on the streets uh, who don't have any place to go or may have not gotten into a place. You know, some of the resources we have available. Um, or people who may be intoxicated, who may not be aware exactly what's going on, that their body temperature is dropping. And, and that's where we really start to see some serious cases in the ER. So generally, it's not somebody that's out, uh, outdoor activities, snowshoeing, skiing, that sort of thing. Typically not. You yeah. know, it, I think most of us, we know when we're getting cold, you know, it's not like you're walking out the car in the morning, you get overcome suddenly by the cold. Uh, but, you know, it's usually people who are in some other situation, maybe out skiing, you know, maybe out in the back country where they just can't get to where it's warm soon enough. Uh, but you know, for most of us in our day-to-day activities, it's not a big issue. So frostbite is probably a little bit more predominant though, because I could be out doing an activity, not have gloves on. Right. I could be warm enough, but my extremities are not. Exactly. Okay. And that's one too, you know, if you're at skiing on a day and and the big thing with skiing is usually these temperatures in the single digits and those can be some pretty cold days or, or snowshoeing or hiking or whatever. You get some wind that kicks up. You've got part of your face exposed. Uh, you can get some frostbite on your face or on your nose, uh, certainly on your hands if you don't have the right equipment on. And, and, you know, when it gets cold like that, your body's going to pull blood from your hands, from your feet to your core to keep it warm. And that's when you get some issues in your hands, some frostbite in your hands or fingers. So uh, <laughs> my face gets frostbitten. What's that mean? Basically what it means, you've got dead tissue there. Um, you've got tissue where there's just not enough blood supply there uh, because the blood has been pulled away mm. from it and the temperatures have gotten so cold in that part of the body that the tissue actually dies. So real cases of frostbite, that's dead tissue. And oftentimes if it's severe enough, you know, we'll have cases of people who come in with frostbitten toes. I've seen cases, interestingly, just people who were just out working, uh, you know, shoveling their snow. I had a couple cases of that. They had some other medical problems that I think made things sure. worse. 
but they had to have amputations of some of their toes because of that, because the frostbite was so bad. So frostbite can cause things to have to be amputated. It can, it can, you know, usually it's, it's, you know, may cause some cosmetic issues. Certainly if it's on your face, that can be a problem, but in some cases you have to actually have an amputation. What are the symptoms of either one of these that I need to watch out for? You know, cause I've been really cold before. Yeah. So cold that I think, oh, my toes are going to fall off. Right. But was I really in danger? Yeah. So I think the first one with hypothermia, you know, if you're shivering, that's a good sign. So you think the normal body mm-hmm. temperature is 98.6. Once it starts to drop down a bit, getting down around 97, 96, you're going to start shivering. And that's just your body's way of trying to produce heat. You shiver, it produces heat, tries to warm up the core. But the really concerning thing is if you stop shivering. Uh-huh. That's, that's when your body temperature gets less than 90 degrees, and that's where it becomes life-threatening. Uh, your heart just starts to do weird rhythms then, gets really slow. Uh, and certainly if you're with someone and they just – just are not shivering and you're really cold and they're just not shivering at all and they're not really responding to you, those are signs of severe hypothermia. Is there anything that uh, you could do for them at that point if you can't get them to help? It's not everyone's ideal scenario or or consideration, (laughs) but if you have to, the best way to get someone warm, number one, make sure they're dry. Number two, if you've got a sleeping bag or something to insulate you, strip them down, strip yourself down, get your body heat next to them, and that's the best way to warm them up. That's about all you can do at that point. That's about all you can do besides trying trying to get help. You know, if obviously if you can make a fire, whatever resources you have there, but, but that's, that's going to be the quickest way to warm someone up. Any other thoughts? Yeah. I think the number one thing is just preparation. Make sure you know where you're going, know what the temperatures are, make sure you're prepared for that. And so that doesn't happen to you and bundle up when you're shoveling your driveway. Exactly. Stay bundled up. (laughs) We're your daily dose of science, conversation, medicine. This is the scope university of Utah health sciences radio.